All right. Hey, good morning. For some of you responding. How, it, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate the conversation. Hey, we'll be in Acts chapter 14 this morning. So if you will start to open there, that would be beneficial. Well, I've missed uh, you guys, and it's really good to be back with you. And Dave asked if I would do this. I was really excited because I really like to see y'all. Um, and Dave is actually speaking or preaching at uh, Grace Bible and Colleen. So if you would just um, pray for him this morning, it would be awesome as we are at this time. Um, but this morning we'll be in Acts chapter 14, and it's going to be a long passage. So what I'd like for you to do at your tables is read verses 1 through 23. So if you'll just ready, pick somebody who can read. Um, that would be beneficial as well. Or you can have a few people if, you know, you get to like verse 2 and you're thinking, we've got eight, a lot more verses of this. Um, so just read through verses 1 through 23, and when you're done, I'll know, because it should be quiet. All right.
All right, is everybody, every table done? This would be a yes. Re-engage. Starting now. All right, so you read verses 1 through 23, correct? Of Acts chapter 14, right? Okay, good. That means we're on the same page. So a few things stand out to me in this passage. One of the things that I really think about, and as I read this this week, and really, uh, can I just be honest, this is a really difficult uh, passage for me because it really speaks to the heart of what it really looks like to be all in. It speaks to the heart of what it looks like to say, Jesus, I am all yours. Right? I mean, the songs that we were just singing come from this place. Where we say, Jesus, we are completely available to you for whatever. And I think in our culture, in our context, this is a difficult passage because what we think of when we think of following Jesus is usually what? Going to church. Life working out okay, right? If you follow Jesus, then your plans will be made well, right? You'll have a better life. And then we read this where Paul and Barnabas are following Jesus and things aren't really happening all that great, right? Like some are believing, correct? Like some people say, I believe what you're saying and I think that this is true and so I will follow that. I will, I will be available to that. I believe putting my faith in Christ. But then there were some that didn't. And what did those people do? They're like, hey, you know what? You believe what you want to. We'll believe what we want to. We'll coexist and be happy. There's strength and diversity. That would be what our culture does. What does this culture do? They say, you don't, I, don't, I don't agree with what you're teaching, and so what shall we do? <laughs> Let's stone you. <laughs> That's a good way to solve a problem. We'll just beat you brutally until you die and move on. That's not a good way to solve your problem. I'm just kidding about that. Don't do that. Okay? Just that This is being recorded, so I want to make sure that I wasn't promoting violence, or anybody could take, mis- mistake that, okay? So what I'm saying is, in this culture, what they did is they didn't believe, and so since they disagreed so strongly, they said, we want to end this so that nobody else will believe either. Now, did you notice that Paul and Barnabas traveled around? They went to different places, right? Yes? Traveled around. Um, one of the things that took place is they went a long way. They went over 100 miles walking. How many of you like to do that? There's one, like halfway. There's another one. These people walked. Now, they're so convinced of the truth that they walked around this long way. Now, the other thing that sticks out to me in this passage at the end, it says that the people who didn't believe that there were a group of them that followed them over a hundred miles. Like, that's hatred, right? That's just, it's not like we don't like you, we don't like what you're teaching, it's we hate you. And so we're going to follow you for 100 miles. Can you imagine? Not only do they follow them, but then they try to stir up the crowd against them, and they're somewhat successful because the stoning actually takes place, and they, they stone Paul so significantly, so severely, that they think he's dead. They just drag him out. They're like, yeah, he's dead. So they leave. He wasn't really dead. He just looked dead. He was playing dead. No, I'm kidding. He, he, 
It wasn't a game. It was really beaten severely. And the believers that were there who probably watched the stoning happen circle around him. And what's implied in the passage is that they didn't just circle and be like, all right, let's pick a new leader. They circled and they prayed. Now, here's what did this little thing stick out to you where it says, so he gets up, goes back into the town, and then a day later continues on. How many of you, after working out hard, don't want to move the next day? Yeah, me too. I don't even have to work out. I have to think about it. I'm, like, I'm already sore. My leg's been hurting. Broke my pinky toenail. So I'm not going to work out tomorrow. Right? This dude was stoned to the point of almost death to where everybody who was looking at him thought, this guy is dead. And the next day, he goes on to finish up his journey. To continue sharing about his faith. <laughs> you see how even in the Bible, like as we're reading, we can miss miracles that take place. We can miss the activity of God in every verse. That What is taking place here is that God miraculously healed him where he could get up after being left for dead and the next day move on and continue proclaiming boldly. Our God is faithful. He is enough and he's bigger than every moment that we're in. He is able to be with you and he is with you. And what he's inviting you to is to experience his presence right now. And so what Paul is walking in in this moment is the Holy Spirit. He's walking in the fullness of who Christ is in him by his spirit, united with Paul in his human spirit. This is the Christ life. This is the Christian life. This is what it looks like for us to be true disciples. That we say, Jesus, you are everything to us, even in the midst of physical pain, even in the midst of seeming rejection all around us. You are enough for us. Paul writes it like this. Everything that I once held, I count as loss. My life is hidden in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the reality that Paul and Barnabas walked in. And this is the reality that we are invited to walk in as well. Can you imagine sharing your faith and not just being made fun of, but being beaten because of it, being persecuted because of it? This was a a reality for these people, a physical reality for the early believers and for many even still today, though maybe not in our area. But see, to them, it was worth it. So I ask you, what is worth it in your life for that? Is there anything in your life that's worth facing that kind of rejection, that's worth facing that kind of physical pain, that's worth facing that kind of life? Is there anything in your life that's worth it? I was reading two weeks ago about um, a, a brand. Some of you may know of Apple. Any of you know that brand? Apple, Mac, iPhone. <laughs> that actually, at the sound of their name, it stirs up inside people the same emotions as religion. As somebody's checking their iPhone now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There's a brand that is so important to us that it's like our faith. Now, there are a lot of things that you can get 
made fun of for. There are a lot of things that you can get accused of. There are a lot of things that you can get, you know, kind of rejected because of. But is there anything worth it? I mean, while, while Apple maybe stirs up some of those emotions, I can't imagine somebody standing up in front of a group of Windows people saying, Mac is the way to go and facing stoning or physical uh, torture and still saying, yes, I'm so into it. This is so worth it. Maybe one of you will convert from Windows. And if not, maybe you at least go to Linux, right? Because that's a, little, that's a step in the right direction. Like, I can't imagine that really being worth it. And yet we occupy our lives so much with stuff that's just not really worth it, right? For Paul and Barnabas, what they're doing, what they're walking in in this moment is what life really is. Is that they have so identified themselves with Christ that they have been co-crucified with Him and co-raised up with Him. So that the life they now live is no longer their own, but it is Christ Himself living in them, living through them. So that the life they experience is Christ's life that is bigger than your physical pain, that is bigger than whatever rejection you may feel. In fact, here's what I think happens. They actually see what's taking place, and instead of saying, you have rejected me, they walk in the truth that they are rejecting Christ. Because their life is hidden with Christ. So what about you? If you were to look at last week, do you walk in the reality that your life is hidden with Christ, that you have been co-crucified with Him, co-risen with Him, so that you're co-heirs with Him, so that you are sharing His life right now as He lives in you? I wonder about that. I mean, for my own benefit. I wonder about that. And I wonder about that for all of us, because here's what I think. We go through the day and we get so sidetracked. We get so preoccupied that we miss out on his life in us in this moment. I mean, it can be something like playing a video game. And it can be something that's actually worthwhile, like doing impact, where we get so sidetracked with the details. We get so sidetracked with what we think needs to happen that we miss his life in us, wanting to express his life through us in this moment. What about with school? When you go back to school, I know some of you cringe at that right now. Um, some of you are, are different and actually get excited about that. Um, but when you go back to school, what is the first thought you have going when you wake up in the morning? When you go to your um, to football or soccer or band or whatever club you're in? What is the first thought you have? Are you going because you want to increase your resume or you're, you want to make your application to college look better? Are you going because Christ has walking, he is walking with you, through you to this place so that he can share his life with those around you? Can you imagine playing a sport in him? <laughs> you would score so many touchdowns. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In fact, that mindset is dangerous because there's actually a receiver for the Buffalo Bills who dropped a ball in this game-winning. If he had caught it, he would have won and said they lose. And he says, God, how could you forsake me like this? I've given you all the credit. Now I'm done with you because you let me drop that ball. See, that's dangerous. That's not really what this is, right? God, I'm sharing your faith, but these people want to kill me, so I guess I'm done. No, they are so convinced that this is true. It doesn't matter what happens to them physically. 
they are all in. They are available. They are filled with the Holy Spirit as they are surrendered to him, trusting him to be enough in every moment, even in the midst of physical pain. Do you see what we're getting to here? Even when your circumstances don't turn out right, do you really believe he's enough for you that you can trust him with your life? is difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult for me. There's a distinction that they make here between believers and disciples, and what they're saying is that these, the disciples are the ones who, who walk completely surrendered, completely dependent, completely available to the one who is their life. They have exchanged everything that they held on to, everything that they worked for in their life, everything that they thought was valuable. They exchanged it all for Christ because in light of him, everything else is nothing. That's what a disciple is. And I wonder about you and me is, have we walked that same path? Of finding in him our everything, that in light of him, everything else is nothing. Apart from him, everything else is is meaningless, is nothing, has no value to us. But in Him, everything has value. Everything has meaning. So no matter what you are doing, as we walk in the mindset we are available and surrendered to Him, that He is moving us. And we see what it looks like to be a disciple. We see His life in this moment. And we say that whatever happens to us, is worth it. Because he's worth it. Because he's my life. I've got nothing else. I've got no one else. This is a difficult passage, partly because I'm not fully there. (laughs) And partly because I know that many of you hearing this won't still be fully there. The encouragement of this passage is that he is with us. He is faithful and he is walking with us in every moment, showing us the reality of his life and inviting us to experience it. See, here's something that's amazing as well. When Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey here, this is not just like they're going on a mission trip. This is their life. This is their lifestyle. This is how they spend their life. And they get to the end, and then they circle back, going, did you notice that? They went back to every place they had just been, and every place they'd been kicked out of. Can you imagine? (laughs) And it says, this is what they did. On their way out, they go to the synagogue, and they proclaim boldly and loudly the power of Christ and the reality of his life and uh, him being the Messiah. On the way back, they go to those who have become believers and encourage them. I think that's such a powerful picture for us because what it looks like is they're risking their lives so that the people that are now believing in Christ will see that he really is worth it. I mean, can you imagine... You're, you're sitting there and you're listening and something inside you is stirring as they proclaim boldly the reality of Jesus. And you're saying, yes, I think this is true. And then they leave because they're about to be killed. You say, what? This sounds so true, though. Can you imagine 
opening your door and seeing them back. And them saying, this is true. Everything that I've shared with you, I'm experiencing. Everything that I've shared with you, God is walking me in so that I know that what I'm teaching is true. And what I've taught you is true. He's enough. He actually is the life. So everything else apart from it is a fake life. And you and I spend our lives in fake life. Right? We think that being athletic and, and getting a scholarship and maybe even hopefully being a pro will give us the life we've longed for. We think that finding the right person and making sure that everything works out just right will give us the life we're longing for. We think that getting enough A's on our report card will give us the life we long for. We think that going to the school that we choose will give us the life we long for. And it won't. Whatever you have planned this summer, (laughs) do you see that apart from Christ, there is nothing in it? Whatever you did last night, do you see that apart from Christ, there is nothing in it? Whether you remember last night or not. Do you see that in Christ, everything becomes meaningful? Do you see what He does in us as He says, I am your life and I, want to, I exist in you to live through you so that you experience my life and my life is expressed through you to the world around you. But we have to start with Him. In chapter 13 at the very end, it says that they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And that's the context that they go on in chapter 14. What you just read was not Paul and Barnabas. In fact, this is the mistake we often make. We see people do stuff and we think, what incredible people. I wish we could be like them. Right? And yet, Paul and Barnabas, we get to see a picture of what this really looks like. They're in, in this place. Um, is, it, is it Lystra? Uh, it's Lycaonia. And the people see them heal this crippled man, right? And what, how do they respond to that? How does the crowd respond to what they see Paul and Barnabas do? Go ahead and tell me. They think they're gods. Like they, get, they get part of it right. Like God has come down to us in human form. Like, yeah, that's Jesus, right? But they, they were way misguided. They're like, this is Zeus and Hermes. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? You're like sitting there preaching Jesus. And people are like, you are Zeus. This is awesome. We've been waiting for you, Hermes. In my mind, I think there was a little crab walking by. Like, that's a hermit crab. Because that sounds like Hermes. Yeah, it made sense in my mind. Anyway, that's where my mind went. So they say, you're Zeus and Hermes. Let's worship you. Let's sacrifice. There's a priest of Zeus. I don't even know what he did except for like waste time. But there's a priest of Zeus. And he's like, you know what? This must be it. So let me go get some stuff to sacrifice to them. Paul and Barnabas, they're teaching. All of a sudden, they realize what's going on. And they're saying, wait a second. We'll take that. We're kind of hungry. But no, they didn't say that, right? They, they said, wait a second. You have completely missed this. We are a human just like you. We are just a people. But the one who lives in us is different. 
And it's by His power and His strength and His effort as we rest in Him that He works through us to heal this man. That's life. See, the interesting thing to me is that what these people did, they attributed this action not to Christ, but to something else, to someone else. We do the same thing. Oh, this person helped me. Oh, this person has been so kind to me. And what we miss is that it's Christ through them to us. (laughs) You see how easily we can get misguided? The life of the believer, the life of the Christian is one of complete availability and surrender to Him. It says, in Jesus, you are our everything. We have nothing else. Our life is hidden with you. Our life is your life, as your life is ours. And so our starting point isn't what we see. Our starting point isn't what we can feel. Our starting point isn't what we can reason out. Our starting point is Christ. And we fix our eyes on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who began the work in us and is faithful to complete it. And as we walk in dependence on Him, He moves through us, showing others who He is. And showing us through others who He is. So where in your life are you attributing things to other people and not to Him? Where in your life are you actually living as if this is yours and Christ isn't? What do you have planned this week that you thought was a great idea and you have no idea if Jesus is in that with you or not? When you wake up, consistently every morning, what do you first think of? When you get ready to do something, what is your first thought? For me, most of the time, it's consumed with what I need to get done. It's consumed with, oh man, it's the morning already. Like I can't, for the, for the primary, for the majority of my time, it is usually set, my eyes are set on the things around me. When I read this passage, I see, man, there's so much more. If our eyes are set on the things around us, you know what we have? We have discouragement. We have weakness. We have rejection that we take on ourselves and we carry. And if that's you, I hope that you hear what Jesus says. Come to me, you who have worn yourself out, and you'll find rest, not just for your body, but for your soul. The life that Paul and Barnabas demonstrate here is not their own in their own strength and their own effort, but is their own in Christ. It is Christ's life in them. And they have identified themselves with him so much so that whatever happened to them was secondary. And the primary in their life was Christ. Is that the same for you and me? Do you, li- do you live your life in the mindset that Christ is everything? Or do you still hold on to something else saying, this really has value to me. This is where I find myself. This is where I just get the most amped. I just get the most excited because this, has my, this is where my identity is. This is where my value is. This is where people know me. And Jesus is saying, I know you. I value you and I accept you. Will you see that I'm enough for you? 
so that we go from a place, from that place, as he moves us into the world to the things that we're in, so that he expresses his life through us, we experience his life in us, and we begin to live his life. That's the Christian life. That's the normal Christian life. (laughs) It doesn't mean everything works out peachy for you. It doesn't mean success for you materially. But it does mean life for you experientially. It means that in this moment, we see that he's enough, that he's everything, that he's worth it. And I hope you hear this morning that you can trust him. Not based on what will happen in your life. Not based on the experiences that you'll have. But based on the reality that he is it. And that you have been crucified with him. And raised up with him. So that the life we live now is not our own. But it is his life in us. Living through us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are everything. And I pray this week that you will massage that into our minds, that we will believe it, that we'll experience it, that you are enough for us. Whether it means physical persecution, rejection, isolation, whatever the case may be, you're worth it. You're enough. And we thank you, Jesus, that you haven't called us to this to try to figure it out and to do it in our own strength. But you actually are our strength. You are our supply, our source, our everything. And so I pray this morning that this will just be the beginning of our journey of walking in complete dependence, trusting you to be it for us. May we look to you first. May we have our minds so set on you that we see everything else through your lens, through your eyes, that we hear everything else with your ears as we trust you to move our bodies where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.